Next on BYU Sports Nation, will the BYU football offense be top 50 good? It's happened once in Independence. How the running backs group plans to make it twice. What's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen in BYU sports? What did Mike Littlewood think of last night's eighth inning? It was certainly bizarro. He joins us live. Plus, is Mark Pope ready for his first pressure-packed first pitch tonight? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live on a Friday. This is how we do it. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy May 10th. Wherever and however you're streaming, connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who's been beamed in slow-pitch softball more than any other man I know, Jason Shepard. I'm not moving out of the way. I'm leaning right into that. I'm taking my base. Take that free base. I'm taking, if they're willing to give it to me, I'm taking it. I've seen people get hit in slow-pitch softball, and I'm like, really? <laughs> you can't get out of the way? Last night, last night, how many pitches in the 50s did we see? And I can't remember which pitcher it was for San Francisco that like 57, 58. And I'm like, you know, that's something that I can aspire to. His name is Grant Young, and he throws like a 59 mile an hour (laughs) curveball. 59. And people are just looking at it like, is the, is the clock right? Is that Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> and that was like the 11th most strange thing we saw last night in the BYU baseball game. Here's today's show lineup. Mike Littlewood, the head coach, is going to join us. He'll try and explain how an eighth inning like we saw last night happens and how BYU put up a season high 20 runs. Incredible stuff. A.J. Stewart, the BYU running backs coach on Tyson Williams' impact into the running backs room. And who does he think might lead this team in rushing this season? We now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. All right. BYU baseball, 20-3 to win last night over San Francisco. This is not a football score. The Batcats extend their home win streak over the Dons to nine straight. They remain first place in the West Coast Conference. Brock Hale... Hit his second career Grand Slam, had five runs batted in, and that Grand Salami sounded like this. A very disciplined batter. That one hit the center field. Grand Slam! Brock Hale! Wow. Wow was right, Gary Scheide. The Cougars back in action for Game 2 tonight at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You have to wonder what San Francisco has left in them after that just deplorable loss. Yeah, they, they got worked last night. BYU basketball has released six foot nine Brazilian forward Bernardo da Silva from his national letter of intent. Da Silva joins Shangzi Lee as the second player to be released from his letter of intent in the last month. Brandon Davies. Talented big man at BYU, talented big man across the pond. Finished with 13 points, three assists, two rebounds, and a 90-80 Zalgiris win over Neptunus. Davies' Lithuanian team is a league-best 31-3 this season. Neptunus, is this game played underwater? I don't know. All-American Brenna Porter set a new school record in the 400-meter hurdles with a time of 56.89 at the BYU Invitational. The invite will finish tonight, followed by the Oxy Invitational beginning tomorrow. The theme of the year for BYU track and field is record-breaking. Yes, it is. (laughs) Good grief. 
All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's also time for a BYU football offensive breakout. I quote Bill Connolly, who joined us yesterday on BYU Sports Nation, from his BYU preview article. BYU has finished in the offensive S&P Plus projections, top 50 just once in the last nine seasons, 41st in 2014. When BYU started 4-0 and were ranked 18th before Taysom Hill, unfortunately, had his season ended with a broken leg. He continues, but it's impossible not to feel pretty optimistic about this side clearing that bar. End quote. With Zach Wilson in charge, Jason Shepard, what will the determining factor, if BYU's offense is to get into that sub-50 S&P Plus offensive rating, be? There, there are a lot of things that will factor into this. I mean, you have, you have this, the same scheme back. You have players that ran said scheme back. The majority of your offensive weapons come back. But the one that I'm focusing on is the offensive line. Okay. Everything BYU wants to accomplish on the offensive side of the football begins with the O-line play. I thought last year's offensive line significantly improved, and now they have experience. And we kept talking about how young they were last year. Now they're not young anymore. Now they have the experience. And a great O-line is going to protect Zach Wilson, give him the time that he needs to make those decisions that get the offense going. Plus, run blocking is going to be huge in order to take advantage of this year's talent at the running back position. So for me... I think that the offensive line taking that next step allows everything else to fall into place. Football is the ultimate team game, isn't it? Because I think you could say pretty much any position on the offensive side of the ball that begins with offensive line, quarterback, running backs, like it all matters. It all matters. And any football coach will tell you, well, to win games, you got to be able to run the ball and then you got to be able to stop the run. And what is the most important part of the run game? Is it the running backs or is it the offensive line? The answer is both. That said, Jason, if BYU is to be a top 50 S&P plus offense, it ultimately comes down to Zach Wilson. Can that guy deliver? The offensive line can protect him for days. He can have good running backs. But if he can't perform the way that we have seen him perform, BYU won't have a top 50 offense. It comes down to the quarterback. It's the most impactful, influential position on the field by design. I think Zach Wilson will give BYU enough to be a top 50 offense in the country. Jeff Grimes has made it his mission this offseason, and he, he said to us on this show, we don't want to just go out there and hit a few big plays. We want to expect to score yes. 40 or 50 every game. I love hearing expect that. Expect it. So if BYU is to do that, Zach Wilson's going to have to have a year. It comes down to the quarterback, and yes, the offensive line is important, and the run game, and him having other weapons to hand off to. Zach's the guy. Yeah, and and there there is so much enthusiasm for Zach Wilson, and it's it's certainly you can look back at the bowl game and the eighteen for eighteen, which obviously just takes the enthusiasm to another level. But just the way that the offense looked with him in charge, and I, I think. With, with having the weapons back and, and having all of these different things at his disposal, you at, bring in the, the running backs, which we're going to talk a lot, a lot about. I, I just, it's, it's understandable why everybody is so high on Zach, William, or Zach Wilson and looking forward to his opportunity. We mentioned uh, Tyson Williams, Emmanuel Isupa. Those are the additions on the running back position. It goes along with Lopini Katoa, Tyler Agil, and others. BYU now has several options at the running back position. 
position. Mm-hmm. A.J. Stewart, running backs coach, who we'll talk to later on in the program, we'll ask him about these guys. But in your opinion, Spencer, who do you think, when it's all said and done, will lead the Cougars in rushing this season? I'm going to go with the reigning champ, Jason, and that is Lopini Katoa. Until he's not the leading rusher, he'll be the leading rusher because Jeff Grimes trusts that guy. I know people are excited about Tyson Williams, and for good reason. Sure. Have you seen his highlights? Have you seen how explosive he can be when he's healthy? It's pretty good. But Lopini Katoa is a trusted commodity in an offense that he knows better than the rest of the running backs. As good as Emmanuel Supa and Tyler Algier and Tyson Williams are, Lopini's the guy. And he's the guy that is most trusted in the running backs room with A.J. Stewart. So I think he's going to lead BYU in rushing this season. I think he'll certainly have the most total yards because I think he's the best pass catcher out of the backfield as well. So I'm going to go with uh, the guy that uh, is in the position right now, Lopini Katoa. He's the trusted dude. Had 423 yards rushing on 76 attempts last year. Scored eight touchdowns. Very productive freshman season. I like him. Fred Warner likes him. I like him. I think he's going to be the guy. You know, you know me. I love some Lopini Katoa. And that's my first in- My first instinct is to say Katoa, for all the reasons that you mentioned, because he's been in the system, he was the most productive guy coming back in this system. He knows what he's talking about or knows what he, what he needs to do. The coaches trust him. Taking a deeper dive, though, I would not be surprised to see Tyson Williams finish the year with the most mm. yards. Look, players like Williams and Isupa don't transfer to a to a, to a different school to not have a major role in the offense. And I can, BYU usually does not get players from the SEC. That's not something that happens year in and year out. I, I would be surprised if you bring in a guy like that and don't use him to the fullest. So when it's all said and done, I I think Tyson Williams may be the guy. And again, I'm still a huge fan of Lopini. I love his skill set. The good news in all of this is that BYU has weapons at that position. That, that has gone from a position that a lot of people, like in spring, where it was maybe a question mark. Who, now you bring in some of these guys, still somewhat unproven in this system because of the grad transfers, but you bring them in, and now you, you start to see some depth. You start to see talent at, at four or five different you know, places at that position. So I, 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 think it, I think it very well could be Tyson Williams. I just don't think you're bringing him in, a guy from the SEC, to not have him possibly be your workhorse. Sure, I would expect him to make his biggest impact in the second half of the season just because it takes a little time for you to build the trust of your coaches in game scenarios. Because they haven't been with you in the trenches until you get into actual games. Think about last year. Jeff Grimes went with Squally Canada. He was the trusted known commodity. He went with Tanner Mangum, the trusted known commodity. I think he's going to go with Lopini Katoa until Tyson Williams takes that position away from Lopini in a game scenario, which is why I lean towards Katoa. Well, speaking of game scenarios, we'll get a chance to see all of this in game number one. When? Countdown to the youths. 111 days until BYU and Utah kick it off. We are so close (laughs) to just two numbers. (laughs) It's sad that we've come to that reality where where we're excited about being in double digits. We are inside two weeks. We're almost to 99 days. (laughs) Party like it's 99. We're all desperate for football. I know it. That said, BYU baseball provided some serious entertainment last night, as did San Francisco, Jason. (laughs) 
bizarre game. BYU beats the Dons 20-3. It was already out of hand going into the eighth inning. BYU, BYU had already won the game. They led 13-3. Game's over, man. And then the Cougars proceed to score seven runs while accumulating a combined one hit in that inning. <laughs> huh? That's a first for me, Jason. And it got us thinking, well, that's certainly on the list of most bizarre things we've seen in BYU sports. What is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen watching BYU athletics? Look, there are a lot of things you could probably go to, but right off the top, and usually your first instinct is the right one, even though I did say that my first instinct was Katoa, yet I went with Tyson Williams. Fourth and 19 at Boise State was the first thing that popped We're in. We're still my... talking about this? <laughs> we... Look, and you all saw the between the lines. It's hard for us to discuss this. But, look, a fake punt inside the five is bizarre enough. But once that was thwarted and Boise State takes over, the fact that they didn't even score on the possession makes it even more bizarre. Yeah. That whole scenario yeah. was just weird. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention, though, I will say this. The first quarter of the 2015 Las Vegas Bowl, finding BYU down to Utah 35 nothing. Like oh, two no pick question. six. Top three. Like, just like right there, all of a sudden they're down. That was bizarre. But so I, I'm going with fourth and 19. First quarter down 35 to nothing in the Las Vegas Bowl? <laughs> just nuts. That, okay. How many things had to go wrong for that to happen? And then BYU loses the game 35 yeah. 28. Utah yeah. doesn't score again. That whole game was bizarre. Yes, I love both of those. I'm going to go with recency bias, though, Jason. I mean, last night as the broadcaster, I literally said on the air, I've run out of words. (laughs) I don't know what to say to explain how and why this is happening. The eighth inning last night, yes, seven runs on one hit. There were a bunch of walked-in runs. But maybe the strangest thing I saw last night was what happened within... Several batters being hit by a pitch. Danny Jelilich got hit by a pitch three times in last night's game, yes, Jason. Yes. Three times. Yes. The last time he starts laughing as he's running down to first base. What else do you do? And he was hit twice in the eighth uh, inning. Yes. <laughs> Which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Our guy, Danny Jelilich. We got to go back to check this, but I'm pretty sure he's the only person that's ever had this happen to him at BYU. Was hit by a pitch twice in the same inning. So you got to have a scenario where you bat through the lineup in an inning, which in and of itself is very rare. Which happened three times last night, (laughs) by the way, three different innings. And he got hit twice. How? (laughs) Poor Danny Jelilich. The guy's trying to get healthy. Stop hitting him. Four different batters were hit in the eighth inning. Danny Jelilich twice. And by the way, those four hit batters in one inning tied for fifth most ever in an NCAA college baseball game. It just does not happen. Like, it got to the point where everybody was feeling sad and, like, they wanted to lift up the San Francisco pitcher. BYU fans are cheering for San Francisco when he throws a strike. It was just like, like when he threw a strike, there was like, oh, we are so happy for you. Oh, that has got to feel great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just oh, so my weird. goodness. Yeah. I had that emotion. That is for sure. Incredible stuff. I, I, 
I've never called a game like that. It was it was bizarre. Yes, yes. I texted my I texted my wife at about eight forty and said, "Hey, we're into the eighth inning." And then I texted her back at like nine thirty and said, "Yep, still in the eighth inning." So, so you jinxed it. What you didn't jinx it on the air, but by sending the text. Then we ended up having the, like, 40-minute oh. inning. <laughs> so many other strange things. Of course, the whole Taysom Hill scenario, being injured by the same guy at Utah State twice to end his season. There have been some super weird things. Our question of the day. We want to know what you think. What's the most bizarro thing you've seen in BYU sports history? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Oh, this tweet is absolutely a nominee from at BFarrell5 on Twitter. BYU basketball beating number one ranked Gonzaga in the last game of the year on their home court to ruin their perfect season. Hashtag bizarro. That was a good bizarro. It was amazing. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be ne- like the, yeah, negative. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Per se. Like Zach Wilson going 18 for 18 in the bowl game. That was incredible. Borderline bizarre, right? How it happened. I mean, he threw an incomplete pass, and it just so happened that there was a pass interference call on that play. So he was gifted another chance, and then he didn't throw an incomplete pass. <laughs> Matt Bushman makes some crazy catches. It, bizarre. Amazingly and fantastically bizarre. Absolutely. Coming up, Mike Littlewood on the eighth inning. Plus, what will it take for BYU baseball to return to the postseason? Plus, A.J. Stewart, the running backs coach, weighs in on the new additions of Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa. Who does he expect to be the leading rusher in 2019 as BYU Sports Nation? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After taking game one last night, BYU baseball back at it tonight against San Francisco. Watch the Cougars and Dons at 8 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio. Yeah, taking game one is one phrase for it. Dominating game one. That's better. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jason Shepard. Our question of the day, based on the eighth inning of BYU baseball, <laughs> And their 23 win against San Francisco last night. What's the most bizarro thing you've seen in BYU sports? At JGibbs19 on Twitter. BYU football versus Texas at home in 2013. A nice day for football quickly turned into a freak thunderstorm over the stadium, which was followed by Taysom Hill trouncing the Longhorns. 259 rushing yards for Taysom Hill that night. 550 for BYU as a team. Jay Gibbs continues, best, weirdest game I've ever witnessed at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Do you remember that storm before? That was yes. scary. Yes. I, I mean, scary. We have the time lapse of that. Like, the hand of the Dark Lord came <laughs> over. Like, like, Voldemort's hand came over the stadium. We don't say his name. Okay? <laughs> it was so weird. So weird. Would you say bizarre? Yes, okay. I would say that. Hashtag BYUSN to join the conversation 24-7. Joining us now in Studio B to break down last night's BYU baseball win. 17-plus runs, 20-3 advantage for BYU over San Francisco is the head coach, Mike Littlewood. Coach, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, in a word, how would you explain last night's game? Yeah, it was crazy, but you know, I don't look at it the way you guys look at it. I look at it the first inning where they have guys on first and second and with no outs, and then they have guys on first and third with, with uh, one out. And we turn a double play, and then we come back and score a, a few runs and, and take the lead that way. But to me, when it was 11-1 and they scored a couple runs, my stomach's still churning because they're a good team. They're a veteran team. And, and I can see what Coach Giratano was doing. Once we got up 11-3 or 11-2, he, he wasn't going to waste pitchers that could help them tonight or tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. 
And so he threw a position player in there that couldn't throw strikes, and it was weird. It was the, one of the few times that uh, we've been in that, you know, I've been in that situation in my career. We had a similar situation against Utah four years ago where we beat them 23 to one, three or whatever the score was, and they just couldn't get us out. We kept hitting numbers, and, they'd, and then they'd walk a guy, and they just couldn't get us out. And that's the way baseball is. Sometimes it just it goes that way. And so I, I felt bad for, for their staff and Coach Giratano, but I knew what they were doing. He was not going to throw a guy in there that uh, on the mound that was going to help them tonight or tomorrow night. Well, it, it, it is. We talk about the, the hit by pitch. In, in that inning alone, you had Danny Jelich getting hit twice in yeah. the same inning. It, it's just I, I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I haven't either. It, it's, I, throwing strikes is a lot like, and I say this a lot, like putting or free throw shooting or anything that it, or hitting. It's contagious. And all of a sudden, when you get the golf clap from the, from the home team for throwing a strike, I mean, that just like you, you feel like you're just in a bottle and, oh, and you know, just in a, in a small little fishbowl. And, and now the pressure to throw another strike is, oh, my gosh. And then ne- he threw a strike, and then the next one's like in the dirt, almost hits a guy in the foot. I mean, that's what <laughs> athletics is all about, m- being mentally tough and being, being able to overcome those things. And those guys, a couple guys were just inexperienced on the mound, and, and uh, the game was out of hand already. So Coach Giratano was just trying to get, just get out of that any yes. possible way. And I was going – Please hit a hard line drive double play. That's what I <laughs> – because you want your guys to have a good at bat. Yeah. You don't want them to strike out. But just hit a, like a laser to second base, and <laughs> we're going to get caught off the bag and, and double them up. But I won't hope for that tonight because they're going to become they'll, – they'll come ready to play tonight. Four hit batters, three walked-in runs, that inning a wild pitch or two. Uh, I mean, there might have been more than that. But at one point, BYU had scored five runs and didn't have a hit. Yeah. Like I just well, it's it's so crazy because there's some games where you're you're losing one zero or you're up one zero, and if you're down one zero in the fifth or sixth, sometimes it just feels like it's a ten run deficit. Baseball's just weird that way, and and this year we've had a lot of games where we're down four or five, and it, it just doesn't even feel like we're losing. You know, you just come back and so it, it's just all about a feel. And but tonight will be a different story. They're going to come yeah. out ready to play, no doubt. What'd you make of Jordan Woods' final home start? I liked it. I mean, it wasn't super clean, but he gutted it out. Um, especially, I think the first inning was big for him, yep. getting out, like, turning that double play. First, third, one out. Uh, the ball's hit back to him. He turns a 1-6-3 uh, double play. That was huge, and then we come back and answer. Um, didn't have great command of, of really anything, but he just gutted it out and found a way to, found a way to go six innings for us. And it, was just, it was great. Yeah, the first time he's gone that deep into a game in his last six starts, and it was nice that he had kind of the senior night feel for him in his last home start. Of course, there's a lot more baseball to be played with Jordan Wood. Yeah. But what is the status of your pitching staff overall? Are you going to go with Easton Walker tonight, <clears throat> yeah. who has been lights out, and that's probably putting it lightly. Yeah, one eight ERA in league, one five ERA overall, six and zero. Oh. Um, he just, you know, the kid just doesn't give in. He'll bend, but he won't break. Um, he should be well rested because he he gave us four innings last week. I, I pulled him. In fact, last last week we didn't get great starting pitching. Jordan Wood went four innings, and Easton went four innings, and uh, Sterner went three innings. Um, and I probably pulled Sterner just a tad early because I was frustrated. We we went up, and then he walked a couple guys and gave up a home run, and I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> Got somebody else in. Uh, but he'll he'll give us a great effort tomorrow tomorrow afternoon uh, when he starts. But Easton, he's just I you know he he's I wish everybody could look at his mentality, the way he approaches every every day at practice and every bullpen and every throwing session, um, and then it translates over to the game. And just he's mentally tough. You watch his face today if you watch the game on live or, or on TV, whatever you're going to watch it, however you're going to watch it, you'll, you won't know if, he's, if the game's tied, if he's down four runs, if he's up five runs, because, I mean, he's stone cold. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, just, he's just one of those guys. He's like Woody. He's a, he's a bulldog. 
one of the one of the most fun parts of this year is there's been so many different things that have been exciting and fun to watch. What's been the biggest surprise to you about this season? Oh, you know, there's been there's been a bunch, but I I mean, one thing really pops out to me, and that's um, probably Reed McLaughlin. Just he steps he he. I mean, there's been a lot of surprises. Noah Hill's really stepped up, and uh, Jackson Clough has, has come in and just been, I mean, he's turned himself into a high prospect. I mean, there's scouts every day watching him. He won't be here next year, um, <laughs> unfortunately, because of the draft. But um, I think Reed's come in, and, and our whole entire pitching staff with Coach Bradshaw, he's, Reed's just done an incredible job. There's so many times he's come in as a freshman with bases loaded, no outs, and he's gotten us out of it, or minimized the inning to one run. And that's one thing we talk about with our bullpen We got and our pitching staff. We, had, we need to minimize innings. Don't let innings – we can give up one or two, but let's not give up four or five or six and let this thing run away from us. And they've done a great job, but um, Reed probably sticks out. Easton sticks out. I mean, that's why we're having such a great season is there's more than, right. there's more than just one guy that comes to mind, and we could talk all day about all the surprises this year. Yeah, Ryan Sapedi is another one yeah. that comes to mind. Yeah. A guy that's uh, started now four games, and all he's done is hit multiple doubles yeah. and goes for a couple of RBIs last night. And I mean, he's he's a guy that didn't even travel with you to a few series. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's a kid who big, strong kid. He's been working with Coach Pratt with his swing. He he needed to get his bottom half in, sim- in simplistic terms involved with his upper half of his swing, and he's just worked hard. And we came back ten days ago from from Washington, I think it was. Or may, might have been Pacific, because I don't think he even went to Pacific. And I looked at his swing, and, and uh, you and I talked about this yesterday, and it just looked fresh. Because this time of year, guys get tired, and their swings look a little, they kind of look lethargic. And I'm like, wow, that, that swing looks really good. He's hitting the ball to right field and left field and hitting, just hitting lasers everywhere. And so I took him. Casey Jacobson's hurt. I take Casey off the, off the uh, 27-man active roster for the week, add Sapiti, de- decide to start him fri- Friday. And he just like hits a ball off the wall, and I mean it goes five for eleven or six for eleven on the road trip, and he just you know take advantage of the opportunity that's given to him. Carson Matthews has done the same thing. Started the first twenty games, sat the next twenty, came in and, and done a great job for us at second base. Last night during the game, it was after Sapiti crushed one that hit hit the 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 wall. Yeah, and I, I I happened to be looking at you. You look over to the dugout and you go, wow. Yeah, I'm like wow. <laughs> That ball, I mean, it was just, it didn't get over 15 feet no. high, but it hit the center field wall. And just, and he just crushed. like threw his wrists at it. And, you know, he's a, he's a big, strong kid. You said, and you've said this multiple times, you think it's going to take 17 conference wins. You've got 16 heading into tonight's game, 17 conference wins to get you into the tournament, the conference tournament, and then maybe 19 to be able to get the regular season title. You still feeling good about those? Well, 19 will, 19 will give us a share no matter what. Right. Gonzaga, has, Gonzaga and LMU uh, both buy from – Loyola buys the, this entire – they don't play because of finals. Gonzaga plays Lamar at home. But then they play each other at LMU the last week. So, you know, one of those teams is going to – if I were to project, and I have many, many times, I think LMU is probably going to win two out of three down there. Um, so – I don't know. We're just counting wins right now. You know, we have the tiebreaker over St. Mary's. We have the tiebreaker over Pepperdine. Um, if we win tonight or tomorrow, we have the tiebreaker over San Francisco. So those are all great things. Gonzaga has the tiebreaker over us. So all those things factored in. When it comes to tiebreakers, you never know because you think as a coach, you're like, man, we we have the tiebreaker over these guys. But then all of a sudden, it's like, well, they beat this, these guys and these guys. So I just try to win as many games as we can. That's that's our goal. It seems pretty simple. Yeah, Mike just win the games. The BYU baseball head coach with us on BYU Sports Nation, and I know it's day to day, game to game, but you are in that 
and for BYU in the West Coast Conference, it's unusual, but you're in the at-large conversation because you have played so well and you won so many games and your schedule has, has panned out nicely. So if you were to make a case to the people that matter and are putting together that tournament, what would the case for BYU as an at-large be? Well, I mean, we've been, we've been consistent all year long. We beat Oregon. We beat, went to Washington, beat them two out of three. I mean, um, we've done everything we possibly can. We've, we've won games. We scheduled tough. We, we, Lamar on the road. I mean, Corpus Christi on the road, Ohio State, Northwestern, uh, Oral Roberts. I mean, these teams are good teams that traditionally win 30 games a year. Um, but, you know, I feel like when I do that, I'm, I'm begging to somebody, and uh, I, wanna, I just want to earn it. So the way you earn it um, with the RPI is you have to win games. Uh, we're going to lose RPI points next week because we play Utah. They're a good program. I'm not saying anything negative about their program, but they, they don't have a good record. And so no matter what, if we go down to Utah and win, we lose RPI points. That's just the way the RPI is set up. Then we go to Santa Clara. And if we sweep Santa Clara, we're, we're going to lose RPI points. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so um, we're not going to lose many if we win. But if we lose at Santa Clara, it, it like explodes on us. And so every single game, if we're, if we're in the mid-30s, we make it to the championship game of the West Coast Conference Tournament, I think that's where we're pretty much guaranteed in that large. But guaranteed is a, a tough word to use. <laughs> All right, great stuff, Mike. Uh, we'll let you get back to work, uh, go back to film room, whatever. Get your nap, your massage. There we go. Get all that get the stuff. Workout in. That's a good idea. Got it in already. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give you some karma for yeah, the game it. And, yeah. uh, and for the weekend. We'll take it. Thank Anticipate you. great crowds. It's, it's going to be a fun time in Will Park. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Mike Littlewood, BYU baseball coach on BYU Sports Nation. Coming up, BYU running backs coach A.J. Stewart makes a pit stop from recruiting to join us in Studio B. First, what's the chance that BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope throws a strike tonight when he takes the mound for his first pitch? This is BYU Sports Nation. If you can't watch or listen to BYU Sports Nation live at noon Eastern, fear not. You can download the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, and enjoy on demand. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, with part two of your Friday headlines. If you missed it, not sure where you've been, but we're going to talk about it anyway. BYU baseball beat San Francisco, and I mean beat San Francisco 20 to three season high in runs for the Batcats. They extend their home win streak against the Dons to nine games. Brock Hale hit his second career grand slam, had five runs batted in on the night, and then the eighth inning happened, where BYU scored seven runs and had a combined one hit. <laughs> Cougars back in action for Game Two tonight at eight Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. It will be very different tonight. Absolutely, BYU basketball has released six foot nine Brazilian forward Bernardo da Silva. From his national letter of intent, DeSilva joined Shengzi Lee as the second player to be released from his letter of intent in the last month. Brandon Davies finished with 13 points, three assists, and a couple of rebounds in a 90-80 Zalgiris win over Neptunus. He's first team all Euro League. All-American Brennan Porter set a new school record in the 400-meter hurdles with a time of 56.89 at the BYU Invitational. The invite will finish tonight, followed by the Oxy Invitational beginning tomorrow. Let's have some fun with percentages and play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks, What's the Chance? Ben Bagley, you're the man with the plan and the numbers. So let's play What's the Chance? 
Let's look ahead into the future, guys, and say what's the chance BYU will be a top 25-ranked team at any point during the upcoming season? Whoa. College football season, 111 days away. What do you think, Jason? Well, look, there's some that believe a certain team to the north of us that wears red is a top 25 team, possibly, to begin the year. So when BYU beats them, maybe they jump in. <laughs> no. I'm going tw- to say about 25%. I'll say 25%. At some point at, in at, the at, at some point in the season. All it takes, and we saw this last year, the win over Wisconsin. Put BYU in as a top 20 team. All it takes is one win for you against one of those big schools to jump into the top 25. So I, I, I say 25%. Okay, let's see. I'm going to say... Ah, probably just because things are weird and BYU is like strangely good early in the season and they happen to play a ton of good teams early in the season. Maybe it works out that uh, they they hop in for a couple of weeks. I'll say 30% chance BYU is ranked in the top 25 at some point in the 2019 college football season. And if they do it, they're going to have to do it with some signature wins early in the season. Yeah, that you would think that's if it's going to happen, it would come there. And then who knows? Then if you can start stringing them along, then you start to incrementally move your way up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If BYU goes two and two in the first four, then I feel a lot better about them getting into the top 25 at some point. Next. What's the chance the BYU offense finishes the season with an S&P Plus rating better than 50? Ooh. A top 50 offense has only happened once in Independence, Jason. Is it going to happen again this year? I'm going to say 58%. Oh, you like it? I, I, I am very high on this BYU offense. I, I love the personnel, but I, I love what we saw the second half of the year with Coach Grimes and the tweaks he made. Again, not a new offense, just using different parts of the offense. I, I, I like the scheme and how it fits the personnel. I, I'll say 58%. I, I like the chances of it doing that. There is a 50% chance BYU will have a top 50 S&P Plus offense in the 2019 season. I should think not they be, be able to say 50. They will be top 60. I'm 100% sure they'll be top, they'll be top half, so they'll be top 65. I'm just not sure if they can climb into the top 50 just yet. If Zach Wilson were a junior, okay. Now we're talking, and I feel a lot better about that. But I think that there's a high probability that BYU finishes somewhere between 50 and 65, 50% chance they jump into the top. Look, there's a reason why people are excited about the offense. It's because it should be really good. This offense should be a very potent offense. Well, and the thing is, it's all relative, right? Because it hasn't been great the past few years. So, you know, a top 60 offense would feel like a world beater based on what BYU has done consistently over the last few seasons. Yeah. Number three. What's the chance BYU baseball sweeps the series this weekend against San Francisco? I, I'm going to say 90%. Wow. Look, 90%. Look, BYU has a history of beating San Francisco. It's also the final home series of the year. You have nine seniors that will be um, honored on Saturday. So tomorrow on senior day, this team is just in a groove right now. I, the, the only, in my opinion, the only way this team loses is if they beat themselves, and they just don't beat themselves very much. I, I'll say ninety percent. Okay, Jason Shepard, not surprisingly high on the Batcats. <laughs> uh, I because baseball's so finicky and weird, and it's just fragile. Forty percent, like forty. San Francisco has some good veteran yes, players they just and got pitchers. Beat Twenty to three last night. I know, but. Th- Baseball's so different from day to day. I understand. Such a delicate game. 
Less than 50%? 40%. BYU's got to win three games against one of the top four teams in conference. Like that, that's hard to do. It's hard to do. <laughs> uh, Jason's, Jason's disgusted right now. I'm 100% <laughs> upset with your prediction of 40%. Set the bar low. Let him exceed the expectation, okay? Oh, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Man, Number four. Last one. What's the chance BYU basketball coach Mark Pope throws a strike when he throws out the first pitch today? For BYU baseball. Can I go first on this one? Take it. 10%. 10? Yeah. He's nervous, man. He is nervous. He was warming up there yesterday. Like, if you go to scout the thing and warm up, like, there are some nerves flowing. I I just hope he doesn't throw it in the dirt. Just get it to the glove, even if it's not a strike. No, it, yeah, people worry about the velocity. I have, I have taken heat from the <laughs> baseball team. No pun intended. For your 40 mile an hour? 47 mile an hour. But it was a strike. That was all that mattered. So my advice for Coach Pope, don't worry about the velocity. Just strike. And I have faith. I'm going to say 75%. Okay. It was 47 miles an hour. Okay, I'm going to up my percentage of BYU sweeping San Francisco to 47%. (laughs) So disappointed with you right now. So disappointed. Oh, what's the chance? It's not often we make Jason Shepard upset on the show, but we found a way. We found a way. Our question of the day, what's the most bizarro thing you've seen in BYU sports? At Sarah Thomas Bobo answers on Facebook, 4th and nineteen. It has to be 4th and 19. Love Johnny and BYU football, but come on. It's where I win. I said 4th and 19. But then it didn't result in points. Which, which made it even more bizarre. It. Added to it. Hashtag BYUSN. Coming up, Daniel Summerhays makes his way to the green at the KC Golf Classic. And BYU football running backs coach A.J. Stewart back in Studio B. He's got the deets on what kind of competition to expect from guys like Tyson Williams, Emmanuel Asupa, and Lopini Katoa. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. One week from tomorrow, Saturday, May 18th, we will be live from the BYU Fan Fest in Nashville, Tennessee, from 1 to 3 Eastern Time. We'll hear from Kalani Sitake, Mark Pope, and many others. Tune in on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I am looking forward to that. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. Based on what happened with BYU baseball last night in the eighth inning, what's the most bizarro thing you've seen in (laughs) BYU sports history? At the Shakespeare answers on Twitter, BYU basketball down 25 in the first half to Iona and makes the greatest yeah. comeback in NCAA tournament history. That was pretty special. <laughs> I love it. I just strained like, the power of sports. The unpredictability of sports is what makes it the only true reality television. No heart sock. Noah heart sock. <laughs> and Brandon Davies. And Brandon Davies. You're right. Yeah. Hashtag BYUSN. Join the conversation 24-7. Joining us now in Studio B, second guest of the day, and bringing that swag in on a Friday is A.J. Stewart, BYU running backs coach. Welcome back to Studio B. 
Glad to be here. Appreciate you guys having me. All right, we've been talking about bizarre things. Does anything come to mind as a coach, like bizarre things that you've seen as a coach where you just can't explain it and you're like, wow, I can't believe that just happened? Uh, a lot of them. Uh, walk-off field goals, Hail Marys, just the, the whole the whole bit. But, yes, you try to forget the ones that, that work against you, and, <laughs> and you'll always remember the ones that work for you. So it's, it's pretty cool. We see, uh, we see on social media you're out on the recruiting trail. What's, what's the reception from players when you go out and talk to them about BYU? It's been great. That's, that's one thing I like about uh, being here at BYU is, is you wear that polo in the school. They know who you are and they know what you, know, what you represent um, and the brand that goes along with it. And so that, that helps because there's, they're not wondering, like, where, where's this coach from? And you hear the you students as you're walking through the halls, oh, BYU's here. I wonder who they're here to see. And so it's pretty cool just to, to represent a brand like that you know, that is uh, well-received and, and understood everywhere. I actually, I, I felt the, the power of that brand because this was, it would have been 2015, uh, or, or when BYU played at Texas. 2014. 2014. 2014. So BYU plays at Texas. We got there a day early, so we decided to experience uh, Friday Night Lights in Texas. Mm-hmm. So we go to the group I was with, we go to where uh, Drew Brees uh, in Austin mm-hmm played played uh, his high school ball that was his alma mater yeah. we go there we're all wearing BYU polos I had at least three or four parents come up and say like, hey you're gonna want to pay attention to my son he's right over here <laughs> like, they, thought I, they thought I was a coach because I had a BYU polo uh, on oh yeah 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 you have to you have to be careful when you wear that polo and, and the responsibility that comes along with it yes united under the stretch why for sure uh, a lot of people are understandably excited about uh, Tyson Williams being officially admitted into BYU and uh, being an impact player in your running backs room. Add him to Emmanuel Supa, the already established Lopini Katoa. Tyler Algier is a force. What do you anticipate your running backs group is going to do in 2019 when you've got four guys that uh, you feel like you can trust? Well, that, that's it's good to have you know guys that you feel like can get it done. Um, and the biggest thing that we have to understand is the work that goes along with that. And, and it, when you have expectations, the work has to be even even uh, harder. And so we're excited, you know, to have a good group of guys that we think can help us win some games this year. Um, and it, it'll be an, interesting to see the competition that goes along with it this year with having quality guys. Guys that can push each other day in and day out, and so I'm. I get to you know witness how the smoke clears and, and who who emerges from the pack within that. So I'm I'm excited about that. Do you prefer to approach a season with a running backs by committee approach, or would you rather have a guy step forward and, and take the reins and, and be the horse? I think you always would like a guy at any position group to be a leader and to to kind of uh, head the group off um, if possible. Um, but sometimes you get in situations where there's multiple guys who are um, who make it tough for you as a coach to uh, to make that decision, which is a good thing as well. Um, but ultimately, you want somebody to, to kind of want to be that alpha dog and, and and do whatever it takes to be an every down guy that you can rely on and things like that. And so it's kind of a it's both both answers could be correct in certain instances. And it just depends year to year, you know, what what the realistic uh, ex- expectations you can have for your group are. I want to ask you specifically about Isupa and and Williams. You know, you have you have a, a previous relationship with Emmanuel. Uh, obviously, he, he came here from Rice. But explain why those two guys specifically were guys you guys targeted as, as people that you think can come in and help this team. Well, I think um, the holes that we needed to fill this year were experience um, and, and talent. Um, you know, we lost a couple guys this year, you know, that were really productive last year um, that helped us. You know, Matt Halley and Squally and Braden uh, were guys that all, you know, were impactful for our group. And so uh, to to have that 
in any situation when you have three guys that are so reliable like that, you want to try to bridge that gap a little bit, you know, between them and the next uh, group of guys that are coming up. And so that was the biggest thing is just looking for experienced uh, guys that can can join the talent that we already have in this program at, at the other spots offensively um, so that, you know, we're not kind of building up uh, things and kind of figuring out how things are going to go uh, throughout the season. What's the pitch to a player like Tyson who's, played in the ACC and in the SEC. What's, what's the pitch for a guy like that who I'm sure probably hadn't even been out West to come to BYU? I think it's just the opportunity to join a program that's established. I mean, last year we we really laid the foundation for some something special here um, and, and some young pieces at that that are really good at, at our positions in our O-line uh, is definitely something that I, I push with those guys that uh, they'll have an opportunity to to have a lot of rushing yards behind the, the big guys that we have up front. And um, I just think it's, it's a good situation. You know, BYU is it's not – uh, the place for everybody, but for the for the right person, it's the perfect place, and I believe that, and, and that was the case with both of those guys. A.J. Stewart, BYU running backs coach with us on BYU Sports Nation. You bring up having to replace Braden Albacri, who was a force for sure, and that fullback position. Now, from an outside perspective, Emmanuel Isupa looks like a body type and style that could take over for Braden Albacri, but maybe he doesn't want to do that. So who who are the guys that could be that fullback? Is Emmanuel in that conversation? Um, it, we'll have to see, to be honest with you. Um, we'll cater our offense to the guys that we have. And so some of it is we have to see, have to put them in those positions and, and figure out exactly you know, what they can do and what they can't do. Um, I've coached him before, but I haven't coached him in this offense before. You know, And so um, we'll always cater our offense around our, our talent and the guys that we have. And that's a good thing that, about Coach Grimes and what he does with our offense is we're not landlocked on being just one thing. And even if it's not the best guys out on the field, we just do it because that's what we do. And so we'll always cater our offense around the guys that we have in our program, and uh, we'll put the best 11 out there at all times. Is it fair to say the running back position and the the race for that number one job is wide open? Yeah, I mean, you have to have that every year. I mean, um, when I was a player, I wouldn't want Coach to just hand me a position. I mean, I'm not going to get better that you know, that way. And so I think ultimately it has to be that way, you know, in order for guys to excel um, and in order to not lock yourself in as a coach too. I mean, a guy can emerge um, having a good off season and things like that. And so I think you always started off on an even playing field and you let those guys battle it out um, and compete within the group. And then they'll be ready to compete against the, the other teams, you know, the, the other 12 weeks of the season from that. Hey, admittedly, we cannot wait for fall camp to watch this running back <laughs> position battle uh, unfold. Hey, great stuff. We know you're. Shout out to today's guest, Mike Littlewood and AJ Stewart, and shout out to Mitch Kuderer, one of our fantastic production assistants, producers, APs. He's he's a stud. Biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan I know. Final show. Yes, he loves him some Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, he does. Show is on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Baseball. The Cougars beating San Francisco last night 20-3 to extend their home win streak over the Dons to nine games. Brock Hale hit his second career grand slam and had five runs batted in last night. Cougars back in action for game two tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Watch on BYU TV. Listen on BYU Radio. Track and field. All-American Brenna Porter set a new school record in the 400-meter hurdles with a time of 56.89 seconds at the BYU Invitational. The invite finishes tonight, followed by the Oxy Invitational beginning tomorrow. Lacrosse. 
Women's lacrosse defeated Virginia Tech yesterday 8-7 in the quarterfinals of the national tournament. They will play Delaware today in the semifinals. Midfielder Tess Anderson was also selected as an All-American. Cougars overseas. Brandon Davies finished with 13 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds in a 90-80 BC Zalgiris win in Lithuania over Neptunus. Men's basketball. Cougars have released six foot nine Brazilian forward Bernardo da Silva from his national letter of intent. Da Silva joined Shengzi Li as the second player to be released from his letter of intent in the last month. Cougars in the PGA. Daniel Summerhays sits at one over par and tied for 52nd in the KC Golf Classic. Zach Blair is even par and tied for 37th, while Mike Weir is five over and tied for 129th in the Classic on the Web.com Tour. Jason, back to you. Softball. Your golf clap was way too loud. <laughs> Softball travels to Santa Clara to finish its final conference series of the year tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Volleyball. Gabby Garcia Fernandez named to the off the block all Puerto Rican team for this season, while Davide Gardini and Miki Yauhianen were named to the all European team. Cougars in the minors. My guy Colton Shaver won for five with an RBI last night in a single A four to two. Fayetteville Woodpecker lost to the Carolina Mudcats. Shaver has six runs batted in in his last 10 games. I love, I love minor league mascots so much. <laughs> Today's rise and shout outs begin with Mark Pope, who made a surprise appearance on an ESPN tweet a few days ago, <laughs> referencing the last time the Milwaukee Bucks made the Eastern Conference Finals, their starting lineup. Sam Cassell, Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, Scott Williams, and Mark Pope. <laughs> Look at that haircut, Jason. Look at that. He really Black hasn't top. aged. He really has he not aged. Great. He looks great. All right. My uh, rising shout-out goes to uh, All-American Brenna Porter. We talked about her setting uh, the new BYU school record in the 400-meter hurdles at the BYU Invitational. Shout-out to her and also the BYU coaches for having these athletes ready for greatness. Yes. What's the most bizarre thing you've seen in BYU sports? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years. I'm going with Tammy Wilson on Facebook. The 1980 Holiday Miracle Bowl. So many points in so short a time at the end of the game. That was incredible. Sorry, Dennis. I tried. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Garrett 2J. See you tonight at 80 Eastern for BYU Baseball as they take on San Francisco in Game 2. Go Cougs.